eating. So we're going to let us know a bit about that and then introduce us, introduce us speaker. Thanks, Bordy. Awesome. Thanks, Tech. Hey, everybody. How are you doing tonight? You're doing good. Fantastic. Awesome to be here tonight. Pastor Luke and myself, we've just got back from uh, Philippines. We had the Elam Asia Conference. Uh, most of you wouldn't realise that we are part of a global family now. Uh, there are over 4,000 Elam churches around the world, global partners. Uh, last time I heard, it was over 350,000 people worldwide that call Elam home. So we were in Asia, we were in India in February. Last week we were in the Philippines. It was an amazing time, isn't it? Just to see the Elam family coming together. Uh, you know, it's about partnership and collaboration and just coming together in unity uh, for the glory of God. Who's excited about that? Can we get God, God praise for that? And uh, it's exciting, exciting. By the way, tonight we are so blessed to have Pastor Ben uh, and Deb Cooley here with us. These guys are world changers. Uh, Pastor Ben is the CEO and the founder of Hope for, uh, Hope for Justice uh, Movement. It is an amazing, amazing organisation with a mission to fight uh, modern day slavery uh, and, and anti-trafficking. And let me tell you, these guys are changing the world for the glory of God. We had him speak at our church. Uh, I met Glenn last year at our Elam conference in the UK. When I heard this guy, I was just like, this guy is, is, is a legend. Uh, and uh, he speaks to over 50,000 people. He's influencing major world leaders. Uh, and you know, sometimes he just gets a phone call and it's just like that world leader. And this, how amazing is that they are here tonight to minister to us. We're just gonna watch a quick video just to give you an idea of uh, Hope for Justice. So let's check out the screen. Awesome, thanks Steve. When people first hear about modern slavery and the millions caught up in it, Often they're overwhelmed by the statistics, they're heartbroken by the brutality and the violence of modern slavery, and they literally don't know what to do about fellow human beings being exploited for profit. One of the survivors that we worked with a few years ago said to me, Ben, I didn't need someone to cry about this issue, I needed someone to do something about it. That's what we've built here in Hope for Justice, a thought through professional response to the issue of modern day slavery. Hope for Justice has a home and abroad strategy. Wherever modern slavery exists, we are committed to stamping it out. The best way to do that is to prevent it from happening in the first place. That's why we work with women in some of the poorest parts of the world, giving them the tools and education they need to protect their families. Our staff work with street children who are so vulnerable to predatory traffickers. We give these children the support and schooling that they need and get them back safely to their families. We rescue victims. Our specialist teams identify victims of sex trafficking, of forced labor and domestic servitude. We build bridges of trust and get them to safety. But rescue isn't an event, it's a process. It's where restoring lives begins. At our aftercare facilities, where highly trained staff provide trauma-informed care from immediate crisis intervention to long-term education and vocational learning. For our adult survivors, we advocate on their behalf to get them the support that they need to make the most of the new opportunities that freedom brings. The goal is always restoration and reintegration. Abolishing slavery for good depends on reforming society. We are working with businesses, with governments, with the public, raising awareness, improving legislation, training thousands to spot the signs and to respond. Creating nations and societies hostile to modern slavery, where it will no longer be tolerated. Our team are changing lives and ending slavery. Investigators drawn from prestigious law enforcement agencies like the FBI and Greater Manchester Police. Lawyers and social workers with years of experience who are with the survivor for every step of the journey towards restoration. Educators who specialize in trauma-informed care. Outreach workers who engage directly with those who are the hardest to reach. Training teams who share our expertise with other professional self-help group leaders who go out into their own communities to make a real difference. All of them share one aim, because Hope for Justice is part of a movement of people 
who refuse to live in a world where human beings are treated as commodities and sold in front of their own eyes. We refuse to live in a world where the bodies of men, women and children are used for profit, forced to work, made to cook and clean as domestic slaves or pushed into the sex trade. We're creating a world where children are free to be educated, run and play. Parents can provide for their families, that businesses are upstanding in society, that governments protect the poor. When we decide enough is enough, things change. I believe in the power of when we use our voice for things that matter. I believe it echoes out into the darkest places of our communities. I believe it because I've seen it. I've seen the goodness of humanity. I've seen the end of slavery. I saw it in the first girl that we rescued. In my mind, we already live in a world free from slavery. Just history hasn't caught up yet. Fantastic, inspirational. Elam Christian Center, can we stand to our feet and welcome Pastor Ben Cooley tonight. Amazing. Awesome. Woohoo! Hey, awesome. Would you mind if I prayed? Oh, Father God, I love you. I think you're amazing. I want to follow you all the days of my life, Jesus. For you are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. God, when you first spoke, it wasn't just for communication, it created. And God, I pray today that you would not just. Uh, Lord, allow me to speak, but you would speak through me. You would create dreams, hopes, visions. God, that this church will be an unstoppable force to change lives, to bring hope to the hopeless, light to the darkness, freedom to those enslaved. God, I pray that today would not just be a day business as usual, but God, you would interrupt our minds, our thinking. You would, God, be in our thinking right today. And God, I pray that today will be a moment, a marker moment in our life. I ask it, God, because I know you are a good God and you're our Father and we love you. We love you, Jesus. You know, I've learned something over the years of being part of churches. I've realized that God's heart leans towards the poor and the marginalized and the oppressed. It says in Psalm 72, for He will deliver the needy and those that are trapped in violence, for precious is their blood in His sight. You wanna know where God's heart is? It's with you. It's with humanity. It's with the brokenness outside of this four walls. God didn't intend a, a church to be a building. God intended church to be a movement of people that are going out, bringing freedom, hope, liberty, light in the darkness, hope to the hopeless. I love the fact that your founding partner, Pastor, sorry, has pioneered this. What you now stand upon was a vision in a man and a woman's eyes that now has become a reality. But I wanna say it doesn't stop there because now you are, have dovetailed into this vision, a vision to transform this nation, to be part of a kingdom that will never be shaken an advancing kingdom. I wanna say there's a mandate on this church to reach the young people, to reach the lost, to see marriages restored. I say there's a, there's a mandate on this church. You know, I feel humbled to be here. I want you to know this. I am absolutely humbled that you have allowed me, graced me with this privilege. You know, as hope for justice, I will be dismissing you to sit down in a moment, but I just wanna keep this just for a few moments. As hope for justice last year, in the last 11 months actually, we've reached over 63,000 children. We now have, amazing, right? We now have, I started 10 years ago, I heard about the issue of modern day slavery and I was an opera singer. I used to wear tights and makeup and dance around and I used to do that in operas as well. <laughs> Sorry, Pastor Luke. 
I heard about this issue, 27 million people caught in slavery, 1.2 million children a year sold, two children every minute. I walked out of that building that night and I thought, wow, if that was my daughter, I would do something. And it was the next thought that changed the course of my life. Be careful of your thinking. It starts with the thinking. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. I walked out of that building that night and I thought, you know, it is someone's daughter. I should do something. So I did what any young passionate 26-year-old would do. I, I booked the NEC Arena to tell the church about it. And in Birmingham, England, we gathered 5,884 people to our first event. Wow, right? Oh, that's not wow. Let me tell you, wow. Because a, a crowd doesn't mean anything. Don't aim at a crowd. Don't aim at thousands of people. Don't aim at that. Aim at lives being transformed. Aim at marriages being restored. Aim at that child with the identity crisis, finding a God that loves them. Aim at that. First girl that we ever rescued was sold at the age of 14 years old. She's a white English girl sold into Eastern Europe. Part of my job is I've been to brothels all over the world. I've been into brothels in Cambodia where I've literally seen like rake seating with girls sat on them. And you as a man, you're not given a, a name or a number of the girl, no. You're given a pen with a laser sight to point at the girl that you want. Completely stripped of their identity, of their worth. I, I've been into brothels in Brazil where I've seen literally 50 girls aged between 13 and 16 years old. You walk into the room and they literally jot their eyes down. They say, don't pick me, don't pick me. Well, Sarah was sold into Eastern Europe where literally I've been into these sorts of areas where there's an L-shaped sofa with, with a girl and there's just one girl and three rooms and she literally just walks from room to room. All she's wearing is heels. Sarah was sold into this environment. She eventually got trafficked back to Manchester, England, where I live. And I employ investigators. I have amazing teams, like people that, like ex-chief of police and deputy director of National Crime Agency. The chap that started our uh, American office, headed up nationally and internationally all the FBI efforts on human trafficking and directly reported through to Barack Obama. Like, we got this intelligence report about this girl and our team went to, to investigate and after weeks and weeks of investigation, our team were able to rescue her. And I'll never forget the moment where I sat in front of Sarah and I, I was there to tell her, we were a small team, I was there to tell her what the next steps were, what we were gonna do. And she didn't say anything. She sat in silence. So I eventually said all I needed to say, so I sat in silence with her. And then she broke the silence with this. I'll never cry about it, you know. I'll never cry about it. You don't know what it feels like to be sold to man after man. You don't know what it feels like to be sold to a millionaire who beats you and he exploits you and he films it all and puts it on the internet. You don't know what it feels like that your mom did this to you. I mean, what do you say to a girl that's been through that? I was like, God, give me a word. I felt God speak to me and say, speak Jeremiah 29 over it, Ben. Sarah, I believe there's a hope for your life. I believe there's a future for your life. I believe what was done to you was wrong and we wanna put what was wrong right. We wanna put you in a place where you were valued, you were cherished, you were loved. Whatever is in the past, Sarah, the future is greater. And suddenly I feel the presence of God fall in that room. Like I have never felt the presence of God. And this girl starts weeping, sobbing and sobbing like a thousand abuses had left her. And she looks up at me directly in my eyes. And she says, you can call me Emma. No one's called me Emma since this all began. My friends, 
in auditoriums like this all over the world, we say, Spirit, come down. Come in here. My prayer, God, is it wouldn't stay in here. My prayer is that today, the Spirit of God would not be contained in a building. The Spirit of God would not be contained in these four walls. Oh no. My prayer is that it would invade the darkness. Or that it would flood out. It would go to girls just like Emma. Because church, it is our time and our turn. We're not playing church. We have got a mandate to be the rescue arm, the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. We've got a mandate to go into the darkness. It says this, for behold, darkness shall cover the earth. Oh, but, don't you love the butts of heaven? I love a big butt. I cannot lie. which nobody can deny. I used to be an opera singer. I used to sing this. Do you want me to sing it? No, you don't. You can stop now, it's okay. It would ruin it if you were playing below. You can be seated. For behold, now I'm preaching, darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people, and gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise upon you. Do you like that? You know the solution to the great darkness? It's you. Solution to modern slavery, you. Solution to the community, you. Because we're the church. It's what we do. Welcome to Church 101. It's not just about you. You aren't a pew warmer, you're a pew filler. That'll preach. I'm just saying no, that, 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 that will preach. I mean, probably someone would preach that. No takers of history makers, my friends. So uh, I, I want to talk today about some of the things that I've learned over starting Hope for Justice, 23 locations, nine countries. You are the solution to the world. The church is the solution. Right now, you know, I have a friend that uh, is the deputy director of the National Crime Agency, and he, uh, he used to lead uh, a company or a law enforcement agency, he had 15,000 staff. And we were talking one day, we were saying, hey, you know, like my frustrations, I, I've hundreds of staff that have come from law enforcement, and my frustration sometimes with people from law enforcement is they come out and they say this, I can guarantee they say it in this country, I've got 30 years experience. Yeah. I've got 30 years experience. Have you ever heard someone say that? I've got 12 yeah. years experience. Yeah. You know, I've realized now that experience is good, but evaluated experience is better. Right. And I've realized from starting Hope for Justice at the age of 26 years old, there's a lot of things that I've learned about developing an organization, developing my life, and uh, kind of deliberately on purpose, building Ben Cooley, 
so that Ben Cooley can be the most healthiest version of Ben Cooley. Right. And that's the, that's the best thing that you can do is build, build the healthiest version of you. And so I, I just, if you wouldn't mind, I just kind of like have been going through this process and I start this kind of like thought process of, dear 26-year-old me, what would I say to my younger self? Like I haven't learned everything now and you know, I've still got a long way to go, but now I've kind of like gone through this journey of kind of looking at what I've done, what I've built and how would I do it differently? And I wondered whether I could pass that on to you. Because I think there's like a mandate on this house for launching new locations, for not just standing still, but for reaching more, extending more, building more. And I kind of thought that there's kind of four stages that I've learned to go through for every part of the start of a, and completion of a, a site, a location, and a, and a vision. And I thought this might actually help you, uh, particularly if you are starting out, I think this might be something that hopefully encourages you evaluated experience. I've realized that there's kind of four stages that I've gone through uh, with Hope for Justice that uh, has helped define what it is. Last year, we reached uh, now, uh, like rescued 4,960 individuals. We've like rescued children as young as three months old, adults up to 58 years old. We've rescued people like in America a few months ago, we rescued someone held in slavery for 36 years, never left, but now it's walking free. And, and this whole thing started with a frustration. And I wanna talk about frustration to start off with. It's the first stage of changing the world is frustration. See, a lot of people in the world see frustration as something they wanna get rid of. Oh, I don't want pain in my life. I don't want that obstacle in my life. I don't want frustration. We do, the, uh, in our life, we try and get as, uh, rid of as much frustration in our life. We want a, a stress-free life. We just want it easy, right? Too easy, mate, too easy, you know? I'm learning the language. Too easy, mate, too easy. I'm not really learning the language. I'm, I'm actually rubbish at it. I tried my hardest. Um, I, did it, I even did a Brian Houston impression this morning. It was going, do you want to? Church is meant to be enjoyed. <laughs> Not enjoyed. The best is yet to come. <laughs> you know? But frustration, right? Have you ever thought about frustration? Have you ever like dwelled on frustration? Have you ever sat in front of frustration? World changers are not people that ignore frustration, but listen to it. You wanna do something significant with your life, start asking frustration questions. I say this to our team, the best leaders ask the best questions. Are you sat down across that well-worn table of frustration saying, how can I make a difference? What things can we do to tweak, to change? To... Frustration is one of the greatest gifts that you can have. In fact, I would say this, frustration is the start of vision. Like we say, without vision, people perish. Well, you know, like with vision, people flourish, right? Yeah. But there's something about frustration that I just want you to say la pause on, right? Like, let's just go back to the old days, right? Where like everyone was sat at like, when the sun went down, we were all sat in the dark with candlelight, right? And we we're all like, you know, like, let's light another candle and there's so much candle on the carpet. I don't know if carpet was round in those days. And like, and people like just settling there, you know, this is just, this is just how it is. But then a guy called Thomas Edison, he was like, I'm frustrated at this. I'm not handling this. We need something called a light bulb. He listened. What was the difference? He listened to the frustration. You know, I love this woman called Josephine. You'll love her too when I tell you this story. Josephine was frustrated every night. She was like washing her dishes. She was like doing the dishes and she would break them, you know, like I do because I wash the dishes every day. And that you're washing and she's like so frustrated at the fact that it takes weeks for the plates to come from China back to England. And so she's like, I've got to do something about this. This is frustrating me. And she sat across that well-worn table and she asked frustration questions. Right. You know what she invented? And thank Jesus that she did. The dishwasher. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. But what frustrations do you have in your life? Right. 
Oh, for a church that listens to frustrations, that's going, what's going on in our community? Like, why is the schooling like this? Hey, why are children acting like this? How come parenting, how can we, how can we help people with their parenting? How can we help people? Frustrations, it's the same thing as what we did with modern slavery. Is I, look, I sat across that table and asked my old friend, frustration, I wanna see this change. First phrase is frustration. Second phrase is intention. A lot of people get frustrated, right? And a lot of people in buildings like this, they go like this, I'm gonna do something about it. I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna move into the next phase. I'm gonna do it, Boyd, I'm gonna do it. They step into intention. And they walk out and they go, hey, I'm gonna do something about that. And they go, yeah, now intention's awesome, right? Intention's great because a lot of people just settle, right? And they're like, I'm just happy with being frustrated, get rid of it. But those people that step up and step out, I applaud you right now, gone. Intention's awesome. If you're walking out this and you're gonna go, I'm gonna end slavery. If you're walking out here, I'm gonna, I wanna be a, a location pastor. If you're walking out here going, I'm gonna volunteer, I'm gonna get involved, good on you. But don't camp there. You see, intention is an active state of climbing. It's not a campsite. We talk, I know the Boyd's done a message uh, called Quitters, Campers, Climbers. And you know, there's the whole ethos of that, of going like people in every part of your organization, I have now over 400 staff. I can tell you now, there are quitters on my team. They're like, I'm done. Ben keeps on telling us we're going higher, further, farther. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm going, I'm, I'm checking out here. I'm just gonna go and play keyboard. No, I, so I do play keyboard. I wasn't. Hey, I'm gonna need you at the end because we can't land a message without you. You are amazing. You're the reason why I'm good at the end, okay? I, I'm awesome. Uh, I should have played, picked, uh, anyway. It's awkward now. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. There's always quitters. And then there's campers. People that settle, they go, oh, this far and no further. But it's those that actually are the, the climbers that you lead to, right? Like those are the people who walk out here and go like this, I'm gonna change it, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna, we're gonna rescue every single one. Lead to them, Steve, lead to them. Because they're the people that are gonna build, they're gonna grow. You can spend most of your time camping, intention. We either live by intentions or die by default. So I applaud anyone that has great intentions. But here's the thing, here's one of the most important phases in innovation. Let me say, Dr. Albert says this, innovation is seeing what everyone else has seen but thinking what no one has thought. Don't just do what you've always done because you'll get what you've always got. The reality is you need to be constantly in these phases as you are a world changer. You need to be constantly frustrated because if you're not frustrated, then you aren't changing nothing. You've settled, you're comfortable. Hey, God didn't give us comfort, right? God give us this, this mandate to go into the world and be His hands and feet. It's not about being comfortable. That's not the goal. You've gotta be frustrated. You've gotta have intention, but then you've gotta think smart. Let me tell you, you know, I grew up when I was 14 years old, that, that, like we used to buy DVDs, you know, like buy the, or, or VHSs. You don't even know what I'm preaching about right now, a lot of you over there. You don't even know. You had to like fast forward and, and rewind and you couldn't find it. There was no like tracking. It was awful. And we used to go to the store and we used to buy those, those things, didn't we? We used to buy them and, and then there was this store in England, right? That called, we used to buy it and then there was this store called Blockbusters. Did you get Blockbusters over here? And like, they were like going like this, hey, you don't need to just buy it. You can rent it. I was like, are you kidding me? I said to my dad, we could steal this. And then I was like, but I was just testing you, dad. I know you're an elder of a church and I too am moral minded like you, papa. I know, I was like, oh my gosh. And then, you know, like they started like, they, they put like popcorn by the thing, do you remember? And like, you were like, oh my gosh, 
like you can go down on Friday night and then you can drop it off on Sunday and you're like, this is amazing. And then they were like, did you, did you used to get the bit where they used to like go, we've just thought a new thought. Why don't you just put it through the letterbox? <laughs> you were like, innovation. And you were like, yeah, right? And then like blockbusters kind of like, then Love Film came along. You know, remember Love Film? Love Film was this, right, in England. Is it went, you don't need to go to the store. We'll deliver it to your house. Wow. I was like, no way. <laughs> Have you heard directly from Jesus? Because that is amazing. Then we didn't, we just needed to go through to the post box. I was like, that's crazy, right? And Love Film was like, this is awesome. We're providing for you. Good on you, family. And then Netflix. Netflix was all, I mean, I love Netflix. I'm a massive fan. You remember, I don't know if you have Netflix, but I love the moment where it goes like this. Are you still watching? You know what I'm talking about. Now I'm preaching. There's somebody in here right now. Stop it. Build the head. I've never seen that. It's just my friend has told me about it. I am praying all of the time. You are a... Look at this, right? You could buy it, you could rent it, they'll deliver, now you live stream. Innovation. Church like this won't look the same in 10 years' time. The leadership won't look the same. The style won't be the same. But you can still watch something. Innovation is one of the most important things. I say to our team every time, ask questions become better leaders, like interrogate it. How can we do it smarter, quicker, better? Like how can we reach more people, right? How do we develop this so that we can become a better organization, more efficient, like innovation, like is the new products that we can launch, is the new ways that we can do? Because if you're not innovating, you're standing still. And in our world, standing still, you aren't reaching. You need to grow. Frustration, intention, innovation, Fourth phrase is commitment. One of my favorite leadership quotes is this, is we don't need people of spasms of passion, but long obedience in the same direction. People that see it through. My friends, that's why you are absolute heroes. Because you have stayed the course. Like one of my mentors, Rob White, 72 years old and he is cracking on, delivering. Uh, just, he's just pioneered a new church. I just, he's amazing. The smallest deed is better than the grandest intention. Commitment is small deeds, keeping on, going, one after one, day after day, year after year. Frustration plus intention plus innovation plus commitment equals changing the world. I want to just talk just two things if I can. And then I'll get the keyboard player up and then we'll land. Because you can't, you literally can't land a message without a keyboard player. I mean, I'm, it's just, I think it's in the Bible. It's, it's right next to the next verse was you can't lead worship without wearing tight skinny jeans. <laughs> Is that right, Dan? Is that right? Is that in the Bible? I thought so. I want to talk about the most important phase of this, which is commitment. The harvest is plentiful, the Bible tells us, but the workers are few. So many people start, so many people develop, but how many people see it through? That's what counts. It's not how you start your journey, it's how you finish it that counts. So how do we stay part of that few? the people that keep on going, the people that never give up, when darkness comes into our life that we keep on going, how do we keep on being come that light, that hope that Jesus has asked us to be? How do we keep on rescuing victims through the thick and the thin, through the shadows and the darkness and the heights and the lows? 
how do we keep on going? And I've realized there's two things that I've, I've put into place into my life and into our ministry that's helped me stay committed. Number one is this, is that I am absolutely sold on the vision and the, peop- and the place in it and people's place in it. You've got to know the vision and you've got to know your place in it. You've got to know the vision and know the place. Now, I just want to focus on the second part, the place in it. I go to a church called Audacious Church. My senior pastor is Glenn Barrett. He's now, can I just brag on him for one moment, has just become the head of AOG for, for, uh, for the UK, which I'm just absolutely thrilled. We're in our life group together. You can applaud him. Yeah, you can do that. Do you know what that kind of clap was? In a, we call that a golf clap. Well done. I'm so very proud of you. <laughs> Honestly, the queen would be thrilled. <laughs> you gotta know the vision and know your place in it. You know, when you come to my church, it's similar to this, right? I can just act it out without me. But the, like someone attends the church and they're driving in and uh, they've never been to church and they, you know, there's someone at the car park that's gone like this. Hey, how you doing? We're so excited to see you. You know the guy, right? You know, we're so excited to see you. Welcome to church. And the guy's going, I've never been to a church like this. It's just like they're telling me where to park. These guys are crazy. I mean, look at them, you know. And, and then in Manchester, it's raining. So when they get out the car, there's someone that, that's like there with an umbrella and they're holding it and they go, welcome to church. We're so excited to see you. It's going, oh, actually, this is quite nice. I mean, I straightened my hair this morning as, as all Metro men do, don't they, Dan? With your tight, skinny jeans. And then he arrives in the building, we've got some sweets, and we go, hey, how you doing? We're so excited. And he's like, what is in these? <laughs> he gets shown to the seats, and there is someone like Dan going, we're so excited. <laughs> My voice is getting higher. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And like everyone's excited, and they're going, glory, 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 glory. And he's like, Gosh, these guys are jazzy. I mean, look at them, hey? Look at them all cool. And then the cool pastor walks on and he's like, hey guys. I've just done seven hours in the gym. As you can tell, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. and sculpted as well. <laughs> this, this guy's going, wow, everyone's like really excited and the, the keyboard player's there, he does the preach and he's like, God loves you, God is for you. God cares about you and this guy, he's in church and he's going, I, I thought God was against me. Are you kidding me that God is for me? He loves me? That whatever is in the past, he, he believes I have a future? Are you kidding me? And then the pastor, you know, he gets the keyboard player out because we all know it's an eternal principle now. You cannot land a message without that guy. And he's getting up already. (laughs) And he goes like this. He goes, hey, I'm going to ask you to to follow God. And he goes, actually, yeah, I want to do that. I want to do, I need God in my life. You know, a great church creates that moment. Do you know what an awesome church does? Gives that win, not to the pastor, gives to this guy. Welcome to church. Welcome to church. Do you know what he's thinking? Welcome to church. why, Why am I doing this? Does it really matter? My arm is killing me. I want to say to you right now, it matters. Because you are an important part of the family of God. You aren't just waving it, you're waving in a new era. You're waving in salvation. You're waving in freedom. 
You're waving in hope. You are part of this glorious symphony of God that is sounding out in the darkness. You are waving in that guy. That guy is your win. You know what I've learned? Consolidated learning is this, is you've got to know the vision. You've got to know your place in it. Do you know that your place matters? Do you know that your part matters? No, it doesn't, Ben. Yes, it does. You are fearfully and wonderfully made for this time and this era, in this season. There is an, a job title called with your name on it that's purpose just for you. You gotta know the vision, you gotta know the place in it. Third thing is this, you've gotta celebrate the wins. You gotta celebrate what you wanna replicate. You know, for me, one of the things that we do at Hope for Justice is that we firmly believe in celebration. Because when you look at the statistics, it's overwhelming. When you look at the problems, it's staggeringly overwhelming that you just feel suffocated. When you meet men and women that exploit our fellow human beings, when you meet children one years old that we did just a few weeks ago in our program that was held in commercial and sexual exploitation. It's just darkness. So you gotta celebrate the wins. We used to, uh, every time we used to get a bottle of champagne, rescue, we used to crack open a bottle of champagne to celebrate the win. And we used to all gather around and we used to be like, this is awesome. And we used to write the name of the girl that we rescued. Emma, Zoe, Maddie, and, and then one day we rescued 72. <laughs> and then our staff meeting kind of started different. <laughs> it was like, hi, my name's Ben Cooley, and I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> and we were like, we're gonna change this. We're gonna do something different, you know, because I'm literally killing our staff, you know. And then I met this girl called Sophia. I just want to show you a picture of how we found her. In chains, padlocked. Her mom, I'm sorry, her mom, My mom used to um, sell her at night to men. And then she realized that she could make more money by selling her in the daytime into forced labor. And we took that padlock off. Gave her a bright and glorious future. I'm sorry, I don't normally do this. And um, this is what she looks like now. took the padlock off her. We wrote a name on her padlock. And we put the name and the date of when she was rescued. We've now uh, celebrated that. And we have in our office now, in every one of our offices, we have something called the Freedom Wall. I just want to show you it. We put 4,960 names on a wall this year. You've got to celebrate what you want to replicate. Do you know celebration does two things? Is it lets you know what the win is. It's a win every life, right? But it lets you know that change is possible. Because every time I walk past that freedom wall, I know, I know that I know. 
change is possible. I don't know if you've heard of a company called Experian. It's the largest data provider in the world. It has 170 offices globally. They have been so captivated by this. When you walk into the headquarters, you don't see Experience logo first. You see the Freedom Wall. They are now putting in 170 of their nations, of their offices, because they want to celebrate with us. The freedom is worth the fight. The justice is non-negotiable. You've got to be committed to frustration. You've got to go through a stage of intention and you've got to innovate, constantly innovate. But you've got to be committed. Be great orators of the vision and people's place in it. Value every stage, every person from the receptionist through to the CEO. We all matter. But you've got to celebrate what you want to replicate. I finish with this. And if you don't mind, can I play a video? Is that all right? Do we have time? A girl, she came up to me. I was speaking at a conference a few years ago. There was thousands of people in this auditorium and I finished and she, she came and she, she tapped me on the shoulder after and she said, hey, do you remember me? I said, yeah, I remember you. She said, Ben, if it wasn't for hope for justice, I'd still be in a brothel. If it wasn't for hope for justice, I wouldn't have my own apartment. I, I wouldn't have a job. I, I wouldn't be part of a local church. I, I wouldn't have accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. That girl that tapped me on the shoulder was Emma, the first girl that we ever rescued. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, but the Lord shall rise upon you. You wanna know what the answer to the problem is? It's in this room. You wanna know what can mobilise change? It is in this room because we are part of the few, the royal few. We are part of the DNA of Jesus Christ bearing His, His authority and dominion on this planet Earth. So I look confidently at the problems, knowing this, I'm on the winning side. My dad is bigger than your dad. My Jesus paid the price for it all. And the, the death that we're all so scared of, it couldn't contain him. We can change lives. We can end slavery. Thank you so much. Can we just play this video and then God bless you. Thank you for having me. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Marie grew up in Kandal province here in Cambodia. She lived in abject poverty. At the age of 10 years old, her mom and dad decided to move to Phnom Penh for a better life, a better future. She worked in a cafe and then went on to sell phones. And then she got this opportunity, but she was tricked. Marie was taken to a place just like this. She thought she was there for a legitimate job. She went into the room, but the man tried to abuse her. She ran out to reach out to the owner to explain what was happening and ask him for compassion, but he had none. And he forced her to go back into the room only to be violently exploited. Marie was just 13 years old. This abuse that she was subjected to lasted for two long years. So when Marie comes to our program, she doesn't want to stay. She doesn't trust anyone. It's just like staring. And if people come close to her, she's just like yelling. Like, I don't want you guys. Go away from me. Get me out. And she also stressed that she got to kill herself. 
the message that we say to Mary, their sister, you are suffering now. And we here is with you. We're not gonna let you go back to that hardship situations again that you experienced in the last couple of years. We're gonna hold your hand and walk across the journey of restoration. You are being protected and you can walk to reach your dreams. It's thanks to guardians, people just like you, that for the next two years, Marie was nurtured in a safe place, given education and therapy. I'm thrilled to say she has now graduated from our program and is pursuing her dreams in life. So when I see the girl graduated from the Hope Justic program, my heart is full of joys. And the message that I want to speak out to her and to all the teams at Hope Justic is like, this girl made it. Like, you got it. Mình đã mọt nặng về phụ nữ ánh bếch của phụ bà Mình đã có thể hỏi ngay đến những thời gian này Cảm ơn các bạn đã theo dõi và hẹn gặp lại Mình đã mọt nặng về phụ nữ ánh bếch của phụ nữ Mình đã mọt nặng về phụ nữ ánh bếch của phụ nữ What she has had to walk through in her life is just unspeakable she has given her all to beat the darkness in her past and she is a beacon of light and I'm just overwhelmed today. I'm overwhelmed by the fact that that girl is laughing, that girl is went back to see the girls in our program and she said, don't give up. She said, I know what you're walking through. I mean, you know, what a role model for us all. And I just want to thank you, you've played her massive part in her life changes. You are a hero to her, and she is a hero to me. Thank you. Today, we're inviting you to become a guardian. Because there are literally millions more girls just like Mary. A guardian stands up for the Marys of this world. A guardian rescues them. A guardian restores their dreams. A guardian reforms society to end slavery forever. Become a guardian today and change the life of a girl just like Mary. Church, I want to encourage you in our foyer today. We've got um, a team from Hope for Justice going to be there. And you can find out some more if you're interested in being a part of this and go see them. We've also got Stacey from Child Rescuers in the foyer too. So if you want to be a part of what God is doing uh, to end slavery in this world, then please go talk to any of the guys in there and it'll be absolutely amazing. Can we thank Ben Cooley for an incredible word tonight? So good to have you with us, man. Church, we're gonna...